0: Stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's Director of ETF Research, Nina Mishra, to discuss how you can invest in this hot IPO market. There's all these new things being thrown around, the SPACs, we have direct listings, we have the IPOs. I looked up some stats to see what exactly was happening because I kept hearing all these headlines like, oh, September was like the hottest month in like 30 months and all this stuff. So I was like, well, how does this really compare? So, so far through October, this is October 6th, we're recording this on 2020. There have been 286 ipos so far now that compares to 2019 where for the entire year there were just 233 so this is hotter than last year and last year got all this publicity because we had like uber and some other big name companies that were like the unicorns went public there were i actually found some articles from like the wall street journal talking about how was 2019 Another 1999. Well, no, not with only 233 IPOs. So it kind of fizzled out there at the end of the year, I feel, in 2019. The last time we had over 300, which looks likely here in 2020, was in 2014, where some stat I found had 304 that year. But the big kahuna still remains 1999, as the Wall Street Journal was alluding to. For that article last year, with 547 IPOs, and that that raised 107.9 billion in um, funds in 1999. But if we, I mean we've got to be at least close to that between IPOs and the SPACs, because I saw a stat that by October here, the SPACs have raised 22.5 billion on their own. So a lot of money being raised by a lot of people, Nina. Um, And now we have the ETF industry diving in because they always do. We can't we can depend on them to dive in there. And they've launched a SPAC ETF, which is what I asked you to join me on for the show today, and also to talk about what else we can buy for the IPOs as well, because we haven't covered this topic in a while, and we certainly haven't covered the SPAC. So, what is with the SPAC ETF?
1: Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me on. And yes, as you mentioned, the IPO market is really hot this year. In fact, 2020 could be one of the busiest years for IPOs on record. And uh, there there are two IPO ETFs. One of them has done really well. And uh, we will get into those two ETFs later. And we will also discuss why the difference in performance. But let's talk about SPACs first. So the the SPAC market has also been very very hot this year, uh, and uh, in fact, I just read that 116 uh, IPOs uh, through SPACs have raised 40 44 billion uh, this year, wow. and that is more than past five years combined. And that is according to Barrons, and they got that data from SPAC. Insider. And uh, some of these uh, companies uh, which took the SPAC route to go public, um, including, um, for example, Virgin Galactic and DraftKings, they have delivered excellent performance this year. And uh, that is why there's a lot of interest in SPACs and some of some very high-profile, uh, you know, investors, uh, they have formed their SPACs. So that okay. is, for let's, example...
0: Yeah, let's talk about what a SPAC is, though. Like, you mm-hmm. mentioned DraftKings and Virgin Galactic, and I i was looking up another one that just announced that it's merging with a, a SPAC, um, Lordstown Motors, which makes those mm-hmm. electric pickup trucks. So they're kind of in the news, too. So what happens is, like the holding company that doesn't own anything goes public first, right? Like they they go public through the SPAC, which means special purpose acquisition company. (laughs) And they don't really own any, they don't own anything, but they're just raising the money through the SPAC to go out there and acquire something. So that happened with Lordstown Motors. So I guess it was Diamond Peak Holdings was the SPAC and then they announced in August that they were acquiring Lordstown Motors and that that will close in the fourth quarter. And then Lordstown Motors will be the publicly traded company. So it's a way to get them into like have their own IPO basically and they're funded and now they're going to trade under the ticker ride RIDE apparently. Um, So, That's what's happening with some of these. I did a whole podcast on just the blank check SPACs that haven't announced who they're acquiring yet because I got a question about whether or not people should buy those SPACs. And it seems crazy to me because you don't know what they're even going to buy. Like I did not know Diamond Peak Holdings was going to buy Lordstown Motors like a couple months ago. I had no idea. So why would I buy it? But now I know that... It's buying the Lordstown Motors now. Doesn't the ETF it it has like a it has a difference in there, right? Like what they're owning
1: in the SPACs, right? Uh, so the ETF uh, will allocate eighty percent to companies that have already gone public through SPACs. So companies okay. like Virgin Galactic. And uh, draft kings, and twenty uh, percent will go to the blank check companies uh, okay. that you talked about. A little so, it'd bit be like earlier.
0: Peak Holdings, could be in that. 20%. Yes,
1: okay. yes. So they have certain uh, liquidity and market capitalization requirement. Uh, so very small less liquid SPACs will not be included in the ETF. Okay. Uh, so that is that is one good thing for yeah. investors. But uh, still, there is a question whether there are enough IPOs uh, uh, that have taken the uh, the SPAC route to go public, where, whether there are enough companies that have taken the SPAC route to go public uh, to be included in the ETF. So what we get in the ETF is a fairly concentrated portfolio. So that is one concern with the ETF, though, you know, for investors who are interested in, you know, investing in these newly companies which have taken the SPAC route and have not taken IPO or direct listing route. So the ETF is a way because those companies like DraftKings and Virgin Galactic, they don't get included in the IPO ETFs. Okay, uh, that's
0: so, another question. That's good to know. Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, so I
0: the, did. So, yeah, on go ahead. The mm-hmm. and the ticker, by the way, is SPAK, not with the C at the end. So they they used SPAK. But DraftKings is the number one holding right now, um, and it's eighteen point seven five percent of the portfolio. And it's there's only thirty six holdings.
1: Right. So almost one fifth of the uh, portfolio is in DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings performance is going to determine the performance of ETF a lot. Yeah. Now I see the expense ratio is
0: 0.45. That doesn't seem you know, overly expensive for something like
1: this. No, it's pretty reasonable for an ETF which targets for a thematic ETF which targets a very specialized area of the market. So uh, so expense ratio is not a concern. Uh, The ETF has gathered about 11 billion in assets and it's just uh, Mm -hmm. started trading. uh, like uh, last Thursday, so just yeah. a few days back. Uh, uh, so that is not an indication whether it will be able to gather assets going forward or not. But as of now, if investors are interested in this ETF, I would recommend that you wait for some time till it gathers enough assets uh, because ETF uh, providers, uh, they have been coming out with a lot of products because there is a lot of competition in the ETF market. Uh, So instead of launching plain vanilla products, uh, which cannot compete with established market heavyweights because you cannot launch an ETF like SPY or QQQ and... Hope to survive. So ETF providers have been the, uh, launching these thematic ETFs, and just trying to see what uh, you know what attracts investor attention. And there are some new ETFs, some new thematic et- ETFs which gather investors attention. For example uh, sports betting ETF which has managed to gather more than 130 million in assets this year Uh and uh, uh, telemedicine ETF which has managed to gather more than 300 million in assets uh, within a few weeks of its launch. So they keep on coming with these interesting products to see what sticks. So this could be one of those. So just wait for some time. Let's see if it gathers assets. What kind of holdings it has, whether they are able to filter out companies like Nikola well in time. Uh, And and also when uh, you have a new ETF, it makes sense whenever you trade uh, uh, to use limit orders, if at all you want to trade in that ETF. But I usually recommend that you wait for some time till it gathers about $50 in assets so that at that point you are kind of assured that the ETF is going to survive.
0: Okay, that's really good advice. Um, So this one is done by Defiance. And as you said, they're all doing these thematic ETFs, but they are the first one in. And that that does give them a little bit of an advantage, doesn't it?
1: So that is what we saw in case of uh, marijuana ETF, the first one, the first to market which yeah. had taken an unusual route, actually, by changing the index, MJ. But that was able to quickly gather assets. And similarly, that the same trend we saw in case of blockchain ETFs, too, when Bitcoin was very hot, uh, at least four blockchain ETFs launched, but the two that were first to market, they were able to gather more than 100 million in assets very quickly within a few weeks. But there were other ETFs, uh, which you know just failed to gather investor attention and then Bitcoin also languished for quite some time. Um, same can be said for pot, pot stocks too. Okay. They are hot at times, they are not hot, hot at times. So first to market uh, is really an um, advantage for an ETF issuer if this area picks up and you know if investors are interested in that area. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. But let's just
0: say we want to go with the tried and true. We don't want to deal with, you know, the blank check thing and all of that. And we want just the regular IPO market. I know that there are, um, I have at least two that are the main ones, right? The Renaissance IPO ETF, IPO is the ticker. And then the First Trust U.S. Equity Opportunities ETF, FPX. That one's old. I used to own, I I want to say I own both of these probably knowing my timing, I think I probably owned them in 2014. The last time there was like 300 <laughs> IPOs. And I was like, yeah, I'm diving into this. And then I got bored after like two years or it didn't do that much. So I was like, meh, I'm selling this. So then I did sell. Uh, but there are, I'm reminded of like how different these two ETFs really are. Like they're not, they're not even really all the, other than owning IPOs that's about all they really seem to have in common. So let's start with the Renaissance one, because that's the one that is super hot this year. That's the ticker IPO.
1: Right, right. Uh, So before I I, uh, explain how that ETF selects and weights its holdings, and just a quick uh, uh, word about uh, the investment case for IPO ETF. So these ETFs, they provide, you know, a uh, low-cost and convenient way of getting diversified exposure to these IPOs because IPOs performance—you know—newly public companies, their performance can be very volatile, at least in the first few years of trading, because you learn so many new things about new things about those companies, uh, and. Uh, Also that uh, these ETFs include these newly public companies much before they join other major indexes. For example, we we remember that Google was included uh, in the S&P 500 index uh, uh, only after two years um, uh, 2 years after it went public uh, tesla is not yet in the s&p 500 index it is though it is, has been included in the nasdaq index so that is the investment case for these um, etfs now these two etfs ipo and fpx those are the etfs that provide exposure to us listed uh, ipos yeah. there are some other which uh, provide exposure to international ipos now talking about these two im etfs uh, the one which is, which as you mentioned, has been very hot this year, Uh, it holds the largest, most liquid, newly listed US IPOs. And large IPOs are added on a fast entry basis, so within uh, four or five days, and the rest are included during scheduled quarterly reviews. Okay, Okay. I
0: do have to say I was on their website and I did like that. This aspect about their website is that they have like a news section, and they did say like Snowflake to enter shortly. (laughs) Like they they are telling you like you know it's coming up soon. It's about to be added. Like they do at least tell you that these big prominent IPOs are about to go into it. So I thought that was cool. Right.
1: And then it holds companies for two years. And after two years, uh, companies will be removed. And uh, so if you look at the top holdings, some of the hardest stocks of this year, which have really benefited from this work from home, stay at home, shop online, trend, Zoom video, Peloton, Moderna, Neo. Uh, these are among the top holdings of the CTF, which kind of explains the performance of the CTF. And uh, let's talk about the second one now, uh, which is by First Trust, which is older, bigger. Uh, so what uh, this ETF does is that uh, it includes it holds hundred largest, most liquid US IPOs. Uh, Stocks are added uh, after the close on the sixth trading day, and they are held for about four years. And uh, then, if uh, a company in the index it if that merges with another company, then the resulting entity. Uh, is included in the index. So if you look at the top holding for FPX, and one more thing, uh, spinoffs are also included in this ETF. I mean, and then uh, okay. they are held for four years, for about four years. So those are the main differences in this, in the, the two ETFs, two years versus four years, and uh, the treatment of uh, a spinoff uh, spin-offs and mergers. So if you look at FBX, PayPal is a top holdings, which was spun off uh, from eBay. And you also see companies like Thermo Fisher's because they merged with some other, you know, IPO. So the resulting entity remains in the index. And that is the reason why uh this etf has significantly underperformed the ipo etf although this has also done very well it is up almost uh, uh, 30% this year but ipo etf is up about 70% so there is a lot of difference in the performance because uh, ipo which holds stocks only for two years so it is holding those newer companies which are Uh, benefited a lot this year from uh, coronavirus-driven trends and um, more mature companies have been um, booted out of of the index. I also feel like you're
0: getting 100 holdings with FPX versus 47 with IPO. So if one of them takes off a bit more, like Zoom Video has done, and it's now 10.5% of that portfolio, then... You know, you're going to have more of an opportunity to outperform versus most of the FPX were, you know, Mm -hmm. more similarly weighted and there's a hundred of them.
1: So this is like you get a more constant. more concentrated portfolio in IPO. Uh, So that is why if the top holdings, uh, which account for a lot of weight in the the portfolio, if they are doing well, which is the case this year, then the CTF will do well. And uh, if you know, if uh, some of the top holdings, they do not do so well, then uh, probably the CTF may underperform. FPX, you never know. But there is a lot of difference in their methodologies. Uh, So that is something which investors need to understand. Now, this CTF is much smaller compared to FPX. So FPX has... Over 1.5 billion in assets because it has been older. It has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. and there were some years when FPX performed better than IPO. IPO and investors, you know, they chase hot performing yes, our stocks. So that is <laughs> that. That is why. Uh, IPO has about two hundred forty-five million in assets, so much smaller. Though it has also been around for almost seven years, yeah. it may made, uh, made its debut in twenty thirteen. Uh, but most of its assets, more than hundred million, I think, have come this year because of excellent performance this year. But but uh, you know, even even though IPOs are so hot. Uh, The CTF and the the CTF has delivered some uh, such excellent performance. Uh, Investors are not really pouring money into the CTF. uh, uh, Really, um, uh, looking at its performance, uh, it it remains quite small. Really, okay. So that's
0: that's a bullish sign, though. That they aren't, everyone isn't like, oh, I need to get in there because Airbnb is about to go public or, you know, Palantir just went public or Snowflake and this is my way to get in. They're,
1: they're not doing it. So I like that. Yes. Yeah, that, that is a positive sign that, yeah, you know, investors probably like to wait uh, before, uh, before putting money in these ETFs. And as you mentioned, you had mentioned earlier that some of the most hotly- anticipated IPOs like Uber, uh, Lyft, uh, they made their debut last year, and there was a lot of excitement about those uh, IPOs. So Uber is going public, but unfortunately, you know, <laughs> those uh, IPOs did not do so well last year. Also, first of all, their valuations were too high, and then this year, the equation changed. Entirely for them because who is taking Uber or Lyft these days? So that, that 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 may be one of the reasons why investors are not so excited about IPOs. Luckin Coffee uh, could be one of the reasons, but that was one That's of the hot IPOs last year, and then uh, we found out about the fraud in that that case. So the investors, it seems, they remain wary of um, you know investing in the hottest newly public companies.
0: Yeah. So I looked at the expense ratios on both of these, and they're almost the same. The The IPO of the Renaissance is 0.6, and the First Trust is 0.58. So you're not really seeing much of a difference there. hello. So now what about the direct listings do those go into either of these ipo type of funds do you know like you know the spotify did a direct listing and slack did one a couple of years ago do those do those get captured maybe even yeah. in spx they must right
1: yeah yeah both uh, both of them they include direct listings so okay. uh, palantir and asana which are uh, which are the most high-profile direct listings of this year. Probably they'll be included if they meet other criteria, so they'll be included in these ETFs. Okay.
0: So if you want only the SPACs, your only option is to do the SPAC ETF. You cannot get those. I cannot get DraftKings in IPO or FPX. Uh,
1: There are other ETFs which include DraftKings. The sports betting ETF is one of them. Uh, So there are other ETFs you can get. uh, There's another gaming ETF uh, which includes uh, um, uh, DraftKings. And similarly for Virgin Galactic 2, there are are ETFs, there are aerospace and defense ETFs, uh, space ETFs, uh, which include... uh, uh, which include uh, Virgin Galactic, but DOT and these IPO ETS because they took the SPAC route to go public.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like if someone is going to buy the SPACs, Or even the IPOs, they're interested in that. And more than one, why not buy the ETFs? At least you're getting diversity. You're not just buying one blank check company where you don't even know what they're going to be buying with the money you're giving them. Like, at least you're getting 36, you know, companies in that SPAC ETF.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. That is the biggest investment case for investing in IPO uh, ETFs or the SPAC ETF, uh, because for every Virgin Galactic, there would be a company like nicola which, which failed totally, and investors suffered so much loss in that company. And similarly, for uh, every uh, Zoom video, there would be a company like in Coffee, so uh, yes. There are always concerns with newly public companies, so it is better to take a uh, diversified route through IPOs. You get you get an ETF which provides exposure to either forty six or hundred newly public companies, uh, and uh, uh, the performance has been has been good. I mean, uh, they have they have managed to outperform them. Both of them have significantly outperformed the broader market, uh, so they are definitely worth a look. Yeah. Okay.
0: And we could still see, you know, some more hotness. October started off pretty hot with IPOs again. So there's more still to come this year. And then we'll see what what's happening with the market, the IPO market going into 2021.
1: All right. Yeah, yeah, def- yeah definitely. I think many companies are rushing to go public before the elections. So October okay. is uh, going to be hot. And I think Snowflake and it's Backing by Warren Buffett, that also kind yeah. of uh, uh, made investors interested in IPOs. So let's see how the year ends for IPOs, but definitely one of the one of the hardest years for IPOs on record. Yeah. OK.
0: Uh, let me recap some of the tickers we talked about. So the SPAC ETF is, again, S-P-A-K, not C-K as in um, kitten use the K at the end. Then we had the Renaissance Capital IPO ETF, which is just IPO, so that one's easy. Then the oldest one is the, um, oh, let me get it here, the First Trust one, First Trust U.S. Equity Opportunity ETF, FPX. Then, of course, you can just buy, like, the individual Um, Holdings, we mentioned DraftKings, DKNG, Spotify is S-P-O-T, Slack is W-O-R-K, Snowflake is S-N-O-W, Palantir is P-L-T-R. I don't know. I think that's about the only stocks we mentioned. But um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to get into these IPOs. And um, we're going to keep a an eye on this area and see if it stays this hot. Maybe we'll be, we're on the cutting edge this time, Nina. We're we're ahead (laughs) ahead of the rest of the the pack, the herd. Um, But, you know, we'll see. We'll see if it stays this hot or if we get a little bit of a cool down here. But um, as always, you don't want to miss a single episode of the Market Edge because we're bringing you all these hot topics every week, along with stocks and ETFs, that you could go and, um, you know, watch for your own portfolio. And you can get us on Spotify, of course, uh, speaking of Spotify, and you can get us on Apple Podcasts. And you can also get us with the Value Investor Podcast, two shows for one on SoundCloud. But be sure to get us somewhere, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks.